My name is Belinda Granger and I'm the professional liaison for Challenge Family. I'm also known throughout the triathlon world as being a bit of a mother hen to the pro athletes. Of course, given the current circumstances, I've been thinking about the athletes a lot lately. So we came up with the idea of Coffee Calls with Belinda, which basically gives me and you an opportunity to check in with them all and see how they're all going. So welcome to the official Challenge Family podcast. I think it's time for a coffee. And welcome back to Coffee Calls with Belinda. Um, I am Belinda Granger, of course. And with me today, a very, very special guest and one that I have been wanting to interview for quite some time now because I find her so incredibly fascinating. And apart from that, she's also one of the most beautiful souls that I have ever met in the sport of triathlon. Welcome, Rachel McBride. Gosh, I didn't even get your name right then, Rach. Welcome, Rachel. (laughs) Hey, Belinda. And uh, yeah, just a reminder that my pronouns are they, them. Absolutely. Um, And... Speaking about that, and of course, Rachel, most people in the triathlon world know you as the Purple Tiger. We will get to back to that in a, a little bit because I want to know where that started. Um, but going back to they, them, of course, I recently listened to a fascinating podcast that you did uh, where you talked about being what it was like to come out um, as non-binary, being a non-binary binary athlete. Oh, I'm getting my words mixed up today. Um, so I'd really like, before we go in, get into it, can you explain exactly what non-binary means? Um, so non-binary is basically someone who identifies uh, their gender identity is something that is outside of the binary. So they don't identify as as boy or man or woman or girl, but somewhere different. So some people may identify as uh, like right in between or somewhere on Mm. the spectrum. They may identify as both man and woman. Um, They may identify as agender um, with like having no gender. Um, And that's kind of the uh, non-binary is for a lot of people an umbrella term for all of that. All of that, everything underneath that. And so obviously, you know, for example, when I introduce you on the show as um, she's one of, that's not you, you know, it's not she. So saying he, she, male, female, um, you would say they are one of. Correct. Is that correct? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's funny though, and, and, you know, we were discussing this just before we started the podcast, everything gets so ingrained. Society, you know, you you brought up to be, to think a certain way and, and you know, we're talking about it, titles and, you know, you're, you're a boy or you're a girl, you're a man, you're a woman, you're a lady, um, male, female, even when you're married, you, you, you're missus or you're ms. Um, and it's very, very difficult because this has been repeated over and over and over again. And, you know, I'm, I'm 49 years of age, turning 50 at the end of this year, and you know, I start to question it myself. Why, why, why are we um, restricted by the rules that so-called society has made for us? And so listening to your podcast just made me question so many things, um, and, and, it, and it's fascinating, but I still find myself falling back into the old ways, it's very, very difficult to to step outside of what you've been brought up with. But yeah. is this something that you've known all along, Rach, or is it something that you've you've only discovered in the last, say, 15, 20 years of, of life? Well, yeah, I mean, I would agree, absolutely. It is about making a conscious effort um, to mm. think outside the box and to use different pronouns. It's not something that comes naturally, and it does sort of – you know, your learning right now about this is really changing the way that you sort of you perceive people in the world. And that's really huge. Um, going back to the question of like, when did I know I was different? Um, I mean, I knew I was different from a very young age. Um, yeah. I was really androgynous, like I was a quote unquote, to- tomboy. Um, but I was super androgynous as a as a kid. And that just really came naturally to me. Of course, I went through phases of like having a 
you know, a dress phase where I wore dresses all the time mm. and I had long hair. Um, and, but then as I, um, became an adult and, and I, I kind of struggled a lot with, um, people like adults asking me if I was a boy or a girl all the time. And when I was five years old, <laughs> I actually got my ears pierced. Um, so I would have earrings in hopes that, you know, I wouldn't be misgendered, quote unquote, as a boy. And um, it didn't really work. <laughs> but um, <laughs> and and I still I still get asked if I am a boy or a girl all my life. I have um, <sighs> had folks, uh, you know, sort of strangers asking me these questions. And so wow. for me, it, it and I used to be really upset by that. Um, because I didn't, I have always felt like an other um, in, mm. in my, the way that I walk through the world as like, I, you know, I don't really, I don't really fit into this boy side of things, but I also, I mean, I'm supposed to be a, a woman, but I don't, it doesn't feel right. Like something feels off. And yeah. for yeah. the longest time I didn't have, I didn't really have the language to understand that. And I also wasn't, um, I didn't have the confidence to really sort of look inside myself and, and really recognize how, like who I, who I really was. Um, because, you know, I, I learned of the term genderqueer and non-binary when I was in my twenties and I started university. Um, and I got in with like super progressive folks and, um, and that was like, all of a sudden, I was like, Oh, yeah, cool. This is something I really identify with. However, I continued like I never I didn't change my pronouns. I continued I continued to use she her pronouns. Um, at some point, I started in my 30s, I st also started using they them. So I would go by they them or she her. And it's only been in the past couple couple of years that I have really um sat down with myself and done some big soul searching and recognized that the only reason I was holding on to those she, her pronouns and that identity as a woman is because on one hand, because I am, I am in a very binary career. I'm in a sport where, yes. you know, yeah. you do have to fit in a, in a box. Um, and, uh, and there wasn't, didn't feel like there was room for anywhere in between or like an identity, uh, outside of, of woman and female. And also, um, I rec also recognized with continuing to use she, her is that it was a way of helping other people not feel uncomfortable. So I didn't, I didn't feel like I had the confidence and the energy, um, up until recently to, to really just own that I am not she, her, I am they, them. Yeah. Um, and it takes a lot of effort, you know, it's like, you know, like at the, at the, at the beginning mm -hmm. of the podcast, you know, we, uh, you, you, I had, I had reminded you of pronouns and you still use she, her. And I know it's she like, her. exactly. It's, it's tough. And, and it's, and, but that's the thing is that, you know, it's, t it takes a lot of energy to kind of, I mean, it f to correct people all the time. Um, okay. and, uh, but the, the more and more that I recognize that this is really my authentic self, um, the easier it becomes and the, the more confidence I have and the more, um, uh, investment I have in, in, in having these conversations because, I don't, I don't want to be hiding anymore. I don't want to feel out of place no. anymore. And it as uh, because I have found this, because I have finally like found language around my identity, uh, all of these things and uh, like puzzle pieces have, have been fitting together in terms of just like, I have, you know, the first time that my family used my, my pronouns was such a, like, it was such a moment for me that, that I had, that I was in the right place that I yeah, had yeah. found like who I was because just because it felt so amazing. Yeah. And do you, and do you think, do you think that the sport of triathlon has helped in a way, or do you think it's been 
it's hindered or uh, not prevented. But, you know, obviously you said in the sport you've got two choices. You either race as a male or you race as a female. There, that, That's it. You know, when you tick the box when you enter, when you do an online registration. I um, mean, and obviously you um, race as a, as a female pro. Um, so in a way, you know, your sport probably prevented you from coming out sooner but but in saying that now that you have do you think that that sport will be a great platform for you to get this out to the greater world yeah absolutely I think that you know uh, my career as an athlete um for sure has delayed this um Mm. this coming out absolutely um and and at the same time has sort of forced me to reckon with that otherness that I feel because I am mm. constantly put in that space of like th- this I am competing with in like the women's category or the female category and standing at yes, the start, yes. you know, standing at a start line and like just feeling really out of place in a way. Um, <clears throat> and and so it's it actually in some ways has probably like high you know highlighted that otherness that I feel and and mm. helps me recognize like who I am authentically and and I do absolutely um I am actually really grateful for the platform that I have now the the fans and supporters and especially sponsors who are are helping me tell my story and supporting me through this and um and also that I, I feel this is one of the big motivators to be so vocal um, and to be so out right now and having these conversations is because I have this platform and I have people listening and there are other non-binary folks out there listening. There are other people who may be questioning their gender or there may be other people who are just learning a whole lot um, about a world um, that they they didn't know about, and that sort of that sort of personal connection um, uh, is, I think, really helps folks learn and um, feel that compassion and empathy, um, and understand something that can be really challenging if they have never been exposed to something like that. No, I totally totally agree, and. Um, speaking of that, I, I also listened a while back to your interview that the PTO between the PTO between Cody Beals and yourself, and of course, Cody Beals um, came out not so long ago as well as being a gay athlete, a, a professional triathlete who is gay. Um, and that interview between you both was really, was really cool. I've, I've actually really been enjoying the PTO athletes um, where you get the both athletes asking each other questions. Hmm. And one of the interesting things, and we spoke about this before we started, was I know when I met you for the very first time, and I couldn't even tell you where it, when it was. I know it was in Kona, but it was a long, long time ago when I was still a bit young um, and a bit silly. <laughs> and I remember looking at you for the first time and, and just automatically assuming, oh, yeah, well, that's Rachel McBride, she's gay. And yeah. purely, purely making that assumption because of the way you looked. And I'm sure you've, this is not the first time you've heard this story. Um, so, you know, I thought it was great that Cody and yourself actually talking about it together. And what is it like in our sport? Because I'm trying, obviously in the sport of triathlon, it's not a huge sport on the professional side of things. Has it been accepting? Um, so your fellow athletes, um, obviously you've just said then your sponsors and, and a lot of your fans, so a lot of the age group athletes uh, have been really accepting. But what about going back before you actually announced, what what was it like, you know, when people just automatically assumed, oh, Rachel McBride, she's gay? Yeah, they. <clears throat> they are gay. Yeah, they. Um, they are gay. Yeah. 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 Um, Sorry, yeah, they are gay. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah I mean, yeah, that... I think that that has absolutely been happening. It ha- it's been happening for the majority of my adult life. Um, you know, and that's the interesting thing when you really dig deep into it is that intersection between gender identity and sexuality. So people often really assume mm-hmm. that they are the same thing, that just because I may be more androgynous or masculine presenting, that means mm-hmm. that I am gay. 
and um, <laughs> or and, and that's absolutely not the case. I mean, I remember, no. uh, you know, I've lived um, several years in Germany, spent a lot of time in Germany, and I will just have to say, women of a certain generation in Germany are very masculine and or like yes. relatively yes. masculine. And I would look <laughs> around at these at these women and be like, oh, they they totally look gay, but no. They yep. just, nope. they're just German. <laughs> uh, it's yep. just that style. Um, and so yep. it's, you know, it's a sort of really kind of eye opening. Like I, I, and, you know, that's one thing that, um, you know, honestly, it has because for the past 10 years, I have been in a relationship with a man, it's been really easy for me to be in the closet in a lot of ways. Yeah, um, okay. And okay. it's only it's only recently that I have been um, more public about being in relationship with a woman that um, mm. uh, that that has also, you know, I'm having those those conversations. And it's also, you know, it's it's really incredible to see other, um, especially female professional athletes who are super out. Um, like Nikki Bartlett is amazing. Yes. Um, yeah. And, uh, awesome. and Lenny as well, <clears throat> who, you know, both of those, both of them are super out and, um, and it really creates this, um, you know, it, it creates this, uh, a community of like, it's, it's okay. Like there, we are all professionals Absolutely. and we are all like of differing, like we're out there, there are LGBT folks out there in the professional ranks. It's not something that is being hidden anymore. Um, and, and you really see the allies coming out, whether it be from other professionals or from the amateur ranks as well. Yeah, look, I, I, I totally agree. And it, it still baffles me, though, Rach, that it's taken this long. I mean, as I said, I, I was lucky enough to grow up in a family where I come from an incredibly open family and being gay, uh, being straight, bi, what, it, it didn't matter. Uh, it was just all about the person themselves. Um, and, you know, I, I will forever love my parents for bringing me up in such an amazing environment but I know that, you know, for a lot of others, it's not the case. And it just seems like, you know, it's, it's 2020 and it, that, we, that we are even having to have this conversation sort of, sort of pisses me off a little bit because it just shouldn't be, you know, it just shouldn't be. Yeah. But it is. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I mean, of course, there are, there, we have come incredible lengths in the past couple of decades yes. in terms of acceptance of LGBTQ folks. And I think there's, there, yeah, there's still so much work to do. And I think in the world of triathlon, you know, it's a very straight laced, you know, pardon the pun. Yes. Um, yep. Community. And, um, yep. you know, it comes from a very, yeah, it's just very feel feels very clean cut, and you know the fact that it's like Heather Jackson and I are the most tattooed, you yes. know, pro athletes out <laughs> yes. there, and it's like so weird and freaky, um, you know, like <clears throat> I, yeah, the triathlon world I think is a little bit behind maybe the times. I totally agree, but you know, on the flip side of that, I I think both yourself and Heather are the coolest the coolest um people in triathlon as well so you know <laughs> yeah we're pretty cool uh, i'll have to admit you we're are cool. you're very cool you're yeah. very cool you are <laughs> i love and HJ. also oh yeah she's magnificent human being as you as you you are yourself um and i remember when i first actually got to meet you in person and have a conversation and i walked away thinking wow what a quiet and thoughtful soul you are. I don't know. I think just because with the cool haircut, the crazy awesome tats, you just expect this person to be loud and full of confidence and a little mad almost. <laughs> and what I got was the exact opposite. You're so thoughtful. You're you, um, you're incredibly intelligent um, and just such a sweet, um, thoughtful person. And it's so fun. Again, it goes back to what you what society's taught you to expect oh this this person's got tattoos so they've got to be wild and crazy but yeah it's just it's just not the case 
No, no, absolutely. Uh, uh. And I, I mean, I've had a lot of fun in my adult life um, playing around with that. I remember. Oh, I bet um, you have. <laughs> yeah, in my in my twenties, I was volunteering um, in the hospital, and uh, I was volunteering on some unit. And you know, I would show up in like my colored hair. I had a mohawk at the time, and like uh, <laughs> yeah, um, love it. Uh, and like a motorcycle jacket, and you know, it's really punked out and. The nurses there, like, I still remember one nurse um, who was like, when you first came in, I was like, so worried. But then, you know, you just started talking and you're just so nice. Yes, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and I'm like, well, yeah, exactly. Like, don't judge a book by its cover, you know. By its cover. Oh, my gosh. It's so true. It is so true. And, you know, every single human being is guilty of it, you know, or has been guilty of it at yeah. some stage. and. But, you know, and obviously last year in, in Roth, I got to spend a lot more time with you too. And it was just, I, I still have a little chuckle every now and again, because I go back to when I first met you. And then, you know, obviously fast forward to last year in Roth. And it just, I just, I, I laugh because it's just, it's so true. People yeah. are so guilty of judging a book by its cover. Yeah. Well, and you know, I, we are, that is what evolution has brought, you know, has brought humans to like, that is why especially the gender question is is really challenging to break out of the boy girl thing because it is part of of how we have evolved we have evolved to put mm. people in boxes to judge them yep. by what they look like okay is this someone that i can trust is this someone i need to to be scared you know worried about like you know, all of these things that it's, it's supernatural to judge people. And it's also, we are human and have these incredible brains that allow us to think beyond those instincts yep. as well. And yep. to maybe, you know, of course, I still I look at people and I put them in a box, and then I am able to recognize, oh, take a step back and maybe that exactly. person doesn't exactly. identify as how I've put them in a box or yep. like just yep. because they are wearing this thing or doing this thing doesn't necessarily mean that they are a certain way. And it's really helped me open my eyes to just being more curious about people um, and yep. asking questions and being more not making assumptions about folks no. and and you know why it's you know especially now with covid it's like oh seeing oh. it's like you know i would judge people for the type of mask they were wearing and then i was like well no like why am i doing that that person could have some you know really serious health condition or like you know everybody's got their own story and you cannot yeah, see true. that story and that's exactly what i've i've been having this conversation i have a fantastic run group and we and it's uh, there's probably about seven of seven or eight of us that run every Sunday and, and we spend the entire 16 17 kilometers talking about issues around the world solving we always say we're solving the, the, the problems of the world <laughs> oh I love it um yeah it's unreal I mean it's hilarious some of the conversations we have but one thing you know we're all I'm the oldest of the group but we're all you know well, most of us are 40 and above um and one thing we've noticed since since turning forty, and obviously I'm closer to fifty, is that you're right. We don't we don't judge books by a book by its cover anymore, and we do question things. And we also, I think, the most important thing that all of us have learned that if we want something or we want to do a, be a certain way, that we don't care what other people think anymore. Whereas I think in your twenties and your thirties, you and particularly with social media, you you. Say you don't care, but you do. You care what other people think about you. It's just part of human nature that you do, mm -hmm. you know, that people, other people's opinions can hurt. Um, but, but then it gets to a stage, I suppose, when you reach a certain level of maturity, when you're like, you're like, you know what? I don't actually care what you think. Here, this is who I am. You either take it as it is or you leave it. And if you decide to leave it, then that's, I'll respect your decision, but I'm not going to waste time and energy, um, over it. And I, and, and it, I, I'll be honest, it, it's, it took me till I was about 42 before I could genuinely say that I didn't care what other people think anymore. But it's it's tough. Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm in the same boat. I'm 42 and I am just having... I was going to ask how old you were. So, okay, so 42. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's interesting because that's the exact age that when I finally said to myself, you know what, stuff it. This is who I want to be. Yeah. This is my... these And it went from there and it it seems like you're in a similar... You are in a similar situation. Yeah, yep, absolutely. And and to recognize that... And that's when I... You know, when I see... Uh, folks who are in their teens and 20s uh, and even Mm. 30s who are who are really being our authentic selves and like they have such courage I think I think kids are growing up in a different world right now absolutely yeah I do too yeah and it's it's just really really cool to see that yeah well it's funny because I used to listen to my nan and pop say oh I remember in my day and now I feel like oh, I'm the one doing that, you know. It's like, hold on, you're not that old. <laughs> oh gosh, it's so true though. I I I've been coaching. I uh, just started coaching a junior swim squad, and to listen to some of the 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 adult the adult conversations I'm having with these um, 13 year olds, um, I come home and I'm not, I'm on an absolute high because these are conversations that. I would normally think of only having with a 20, 21 year old. So, you know, and this is the, the these students are 13, 12 and 13 years of age. And it's just, it's amazing. And I just, I come home so chuffed because I think, wow, you know, this is where I would love all young adults to be like these young forward thinking um, adults and you just know you think the world's in a good place if we can have more of these sorts of kids the world's in a good place yeah absolutely absolutely now let's get back to uh purple tiger because obviously that is your nickname um and has been for quite well ever since I've been following you as an athlete mm-hmm. where did it come from where <laughs> did it come from and how long have you had it um so I the uh, the the tiger portion came from actually when I was at the end of high school I finished high school in Berlin and um I had my hair like pretty much shaved um a little bit of a mohawk and I had the sides the shaved sides dyed as in like tiger stripes and um, I was walking along the subway platform, um, and this little kid turned to his mom and said, "Kuk mal moti eine tiger tante," which in English means "Look, mom, a tiger lady." Um, oh, that's awesome! And uh, that's awesome. I know it was so sweet. And my girlfriend at the time just thought this was hilarious, and so um, would call me Tika Tanta all the time. Um, and then oh, I just started using it as an alias and um, as you know, m- m- taking the nickname forward. So that's kind of where the tiger portion came from. And of course, like I grew up with cats. I love cats. I am obsessed yeah. with cats. Um, and, uh, and so it was really fitting the, and then when I first, you know, the, the, where the purple came from is, is a bit of a mystery to me. I think what, I think the timing, what happened is that I, um, when I first turned pro, I came from, I had just graduated from the genetic counseling program, um, had a math, you know, finished a master's in genetic, genetic counseling and had been like in a very straight laced kind of mode for a number of Mm. years and had really like, didn't have dyed hair. My like hair was super normal. I was dressing in super normal clothes for the program. I had to cover up my tattoos and things like that. And it just felt really like constrictive. And so when I, um, when I came out of the program and dis- and then d- turned pro and was basically like, the world's my oyster. I can be whoever I want to be now again. Um, I shaved my head back into a mohawk and dyed it purple. Um, and, oh, and so I think that is kind of where... Um, where that purple tiger came from. And, uh, and then of course, when I joined forces with Wadi Inc, then, you know, the, the rest is history. Like it really sort of exploded from there. Oh, I love it. And of course, talking about Wadi Inc, um, you always, and I know this from watching you race for many, many years now, particularly when, when I've seen you in Kona, not only did you always have the coolest hair, 
but you also had the coolest race kit. You still do have the coolest <laughs> race kit. So I always, I actually wait to see, um, you know, when you, when you get to the to race morning and you, and you strip off and I'm like, okay, let's see what Rachel's wearing today. What, what yeah. kit she got today. And it's, and it's always cool. So, you know, I think, I think what the relationship that you've got with, with Waddy Inc. Um, it's, it's definitely been brilliant and so cool to watch it evolve over the years. Well, and you know what? I really credit Wadi for um, for this journey that I am on right now because when I first connected with him, it you know I was in this place of like, well, I'm trying to get sponsors, and like mm-hmm. I am sort of this character, but I fe- I was feeling like I needed to maybe fit in these boxes, and and he was like, you just keep doing you, like you are awesome. Just do you like, don't try and fit in these boxes. And I, those words really resonated with me and I have carried them for the past, how many years now, seven, seven or eight years that we've been working together and really gave me the confidence of like, wow, I have, I have this incredible sponsor behind me who is just encouraging me to just be myself and that's okay. Um, and so that, that's been just so, so awesome. I am really so grateful for, um, for those words early in my career. Yeah. And I mean, even every time I've met Waddy and Heather, uh, two of the greatest people in our sport. And I think we're, we're very lucky to have them for sure. And, you know, Heather's the same, um, you know, as you said, two of the only, um, people in the sport to have tats, which I was always, you know, I was always one of these people that wanted to get one and never got around to doing it, which is typical. Mm-hmm. Um, when did you get your very first tat? Um, pro- I think it was a couple of months after I turned 18. Um, okay. my, yeah, okay. my, my folks uh, said you can't get any tattoos or any more piercings <laughs> until you turn 18. And so I think on my 18th birthday, I went out and got my ear, ears pierced, pierced again. And a couple months later, got oh, my first it. tattoo. Oh, I love it. And, and how many have you got now? Um, now I think I've counted, I think, well, I think there's, I think it's seven, one, okay. two, three, four, five six, seven, it's seven, but, but really nine because two are covered up by the giant tiger that is now on my back. Oh, okay. Yeah. Which I love. I yeah. must admit it's very cool. And, um, going to get any more or you think that's Oh it? gosh, of course. Yeah, absolutely. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Oh no. This, this is a, li- oh, a lifelong uh, hobby for sure. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Well, I, I love, I love I'll look forward to seeing the next one, that's for sure. <laughs> now, let's um, – talking about races, obviously at the moment no races at all, 2020, although you got lucky and yes. got to do Challenge Wanaka back in February. Now, I've spoken to a couple of people that are saying, well, you know what, we were really lucky we got to do Challenge Wanaka back in February. Thankfully, uh, we did. Yeah. Um, but obviously – and then you did. So, how many races did you get to do this year? You got to do. Two? I got two. Yeah, I got two in. Yeah. Um, and got my my Kona qualification. So That's yeah, right. I That's you know right. I feel like I yeah I am I feel so so lucky that I was able to have that experience. And I mean, not only yeah. to have race experience, but to be in to to have checked off some incredible bucket list races yeah. you know Wanaka is just such an incredibly special place to me um and yeah. that race is just amazing uh so it has it really you know 2020 started off as re- a really incredible year for me great and, year. Yeah. yeah yeah it is funny I mean I must admit uh, uh, New Zealand if I had to choose two races knowing that they might possibly be the only two I get to do all year, you know, challenge Wanaka and then Ironman New Zealand. You couldn't really ask for two more spectacular <laughs> events. So yeah. um, you, you did well there, unknowingly, of course, but you did well. And, of course, qualifying for Kona this year um, and then, of course, Kona in February has now also been cancelled. So mm. are you able to roll that um, qualification over to Kona October 2021? Yeah, yep. Yeah. So we've all right. been moved to 2021 now. Oh, that's good. That's good. That's, yeah. Well, that's something you can at least um, sigh of relief. You don't have to do, go through that again. So that's yeah. good. And yeah. it, um, 
And, and it obviously frees you up. Uh, I know you were definitely looking forward to returning to Challenge Roth this year. Um, yeah. I, knew, I know you had a, you had a, a little a goal to go sub nine, yep. uh, which I think, you know, definitely well, well within your means. Yep. Uh, now that's, of course, Roth 2021. So same, same goal, still going for Roth 2021 and a sub nine. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, that's a huge goal. Like, of course, going back to Roth and, um, and yeah, last year I got, I feel, felt like I got so close that, uh, the closest yeah, that I'd ever, yeah. you know, I, it hadn't been a goal until I crossed that finish line in 906. And I was like, okay, I had a really uh, terrible, I had a really terrible run at Roth. And like, I am, I am much better than, than this. And if I, if ever, all my ducks are in a row and things go well, then sub nine is absolutely possible on that course for me. Definitely doable. Yeah. 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 Definitely doable. Well, I had a call last night with, um, with Felix. And the oh, team from Challenge wonderful. Roth, and they're already they're already um, preparing for next year, and definitely getting wanting to get the pro field prepared. Uh, yep. And I know I know personally from Felix that you are one of his favourite professional athletes. So, oh, yeah, I have yeah. I have no doubt that you will be on that start line again next year. That's for sure. Oh, absolutely. Gosh, you know the Felix and the family are just—they're so special. That race is, is so special. It was really one of the most. It was absolutely i would say probably the highlight of my career was that um that experience in roth last year and this year mm. you know the pro- gosh the pro field was incredible the lineup that we had was just going to be it was going to be an incredible race so i really hope everybody uh shows up in 2021 yeah look that is that is definitely the plan um obviously things can change but uh hopefully i, I know regardless you know it always manages to get a great great yeah. field but th- th- the awesome thing about Felix is that yes of course he wants to get a great field there but he's more interested in getting back the athletes that he knows appreciates the race as much as he does so athletes like yourself Laura Siddle mm-hmm. um, and you see these athletes return year after year and you just know it's and and they're the athletes that that Felix truly appreciates because yeah. he just knows that they have the same passion for not only the sport but also for the, for the race itself and um anyone that's been to Roth like yourself you know it it's not just a race it's it's something it's it's something far more and it's something that the community and the surrounding areas just they love that race like it's their own that's for sure yeah yeah it's incredible never never experienced anything like it no it's pretty cool now Obviously, yep, Wanaka and I'm in New Zealand were the last races way back in uh, late February and March. So what have you been doing with yourself since then? I mean, it's been months and months and months now. Um, obviously, summertime over there in Vancouver, um, mm-hmm. unlike here where it's winter. Um, but have you been sticking to a fairly regimented training schedule or have you have you now been using this time to actually do more of what you love? So not necessarily just doing swim, bike, run, but maybe doing um, some off-road. I know a lot of athletes that have got back into mountain biking, um, just doing things that they probably wouldn't normally be able to do just because of time constraints and because they are on such a strict um, training schedule. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, it feels really different right now not to be in a super structured Ironman build. Um, and I I do, you know, what I have been doing is I'm still swim, bike, running a whole lot. I'm incredibly fit. However, yes, I've been doing it uh, much less structure in a much less structured format. Um, I have all always used, or especially in the past year or two, I've actually used a lot of gravel riding as, um, Ah. as a, a training, you know, I, I've kind of spent less time on my TT bike and more time on the gravel bike just because the roads are safer and it's a lot more fun and can be really, really challenging too. And so um, I have I have spent the majority of my time um, on my gravel bike and have gone on some trips, been exploring trails. Um, you know, initially it was really just ri- like riding around here and around town and um, some of the local trails. And then as things have opened up a little bit, we've been able to to get out and we're actually leaving on Friday for another 
trip um, heading up into northern BC and and hitting some roads and checking off a lot of things from from my bucket list. You know, um, oh, that's cool. We had an amazing. Wow. Um, Shane and I had an amazing gravel trip in the Rockies uh, a couple of weeks ago. And yeah, next week we're heading, um, as far north, north as Bella Coola. So, which is, um, yeah, it's, it's just been a bucket list to try and make it up there. Um, so it's been, yeah, it's been really fun. That's, that being said, you know, it's, it's not been easy. It's definitely, you know, I feel really grateful that I love, training. I love the process. I love riding my bike. I love running. I love swimming, except when it's really cold in the ocean, like it was <laughs> oh, in like me. April and May. Oh, I was, I was really yeah. suffering earlier in the springtime. Um, but now that especially the, the pools are open, it, uh, it's been a lot, lot better. Um, and, uh, um, and, I've, I've, I find every off season when I don't have race goals that my mental health really plummets. And, um, and that, you know, honestly has been something I've struggled with in the past couple of months and, and has allowed me to the space to actually, um, do some work on myself as a person and who I am and my emotional self. Um, I'm actually, incredibly grateful for this space and time to to actually sit down with myself and start doing some work on on making me a happier person and that has been been it's been really really hard but it has also been a really fruitful um, and incredible experience I, I honestly feel like I am coming out of this summer as a as in a lot of ways as a totally different person Better person, yeah, 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 and you know, I think it's it's a to- it's a topic that we, no one really likes to talk about, particularly athletes, because athletes are often characters where they always like to have everything under control. I mean, Type A, we talk about it all the time: obsessive compulsive. Um, I've got this, and I think a lot of athletes that are struggling right now mentally, and I, and and I know some that are, but are too. I don't know if the word ashamed is the right word, but just don't want to admit to it because it's almost like showing a flaw in their character or a weakness. Um, or they, or they're embarrassed about it because it's like, well, I don't want to whinge about something so small when there's so many horrific things happening in the world. Mm. But what people need to understand is you can't compare yourself to, to, to others. You can, you, you need to look at yourself and, help yourself because by helping yourself you are actually helping others and I think that just because you're feeling low and 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 sad and depressed because there is no racing because there is no goal setting you're not being you're basically not being able to do what you thrive at doing so you've got a right to feel depressed and to feel down about it and I have conversations with athletes every day feeling don't feel guilty about this and don't feel like you're being um uh, melodramatic because this is this thing is real and even myself not being able to do my job properly as as a professional liaison you know I, my my job is to liaise between race directors and professional athletes to get athletes on the race line mm-hmm. um and I can't do that so yeah. <laughs> you know there are days when when I I really do I I wake up in the morning and and I am I am 100% I'm depressed you know yeah. I I do like you that's when you need to sit down and you need to look at ways to get yourself out of it but I just wish people wouldn't be embarrassed about it and know that it is a completely normal way to be feeling right now. And I'm pretty sure if you sat down and had an honest conversation with any human being on this planet right now, um, everyone is going through this this horrible like state of depression. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think it's so I think it's so important to talk about. We know that there are a lot of incredible athletes out there who mm. struggle with mental health issues and yes, absolutely. and the more that we can talk about it, the the more normal it becomes. And I also yep. think that um, you know, I, I, I kind of joke that those, those pro athletes who are like just showing their like most epic, awesome workouts and everything is smiling and wonderful and everything all the time. It's actually really boring. It's, it's hard mm-hmm. to connect with that. It's hard to connect with 
someone who doesn't really seem human. And, and that's something that I really enjoy about this sport is the community that comes along with it. And, you know, I, of course, I am racing at the professional level and, um, and, you know, have this life that I am living. However, we have this whole group of amateur athletes who are in the same boat, like, Everybody is struggling yeah. with their mental health in one way or another. Everyone is feeling the impact of this and it's really normal. And the more that we can be open and honest about that, the, the more normalized it becomes and the more support that we're going to have around us. You know, that's, totally. that's the experience that I've had with like, if I have been public about some of the struggles that I've been having, the support that mm. I get is incredible. It's an, it's yes, amazing. Yes. It's really, really yeah. amazing to have, you know, I don't get, I don't get people who are like, Oh, just stick to swim, bike, run. Or like, we don't want to hear about <laughs> this. Like nobody's telling me that no. everybody's no. like, I'm in the same boat or like, you know, just giving words of encouragement. And that community is out there. That support is out there. And I really had this profound experience. Um, so I have a part-time job that I do at um, uh, a sexual health edge, uh, non-for-profit. So we um, provide sexual health primary care um, throughout the province. We have an education department and we have um, like a, a basically confidential phone and email service that we run. And my work there is... Um, you know, I, sh- I showed up for a shift at work and I was in, I was really distraught. I just wasn't feeling well at all. And, you know, was about to just say, I can't, I can't do this right now. I, I'm not well. And, um, and as soon as I started helping people, as soon as I started speaking with people and providing them with the information that they were looking for and, and hearing that gratitude from them, all of a sudden I was like, no, actually like, this is fine. Like it it was incredible. The feeling of helping other people um, turned you around, Yeah, turned me around. And I think that is so powerful that Mm -hmm. like, if we are really in this dark place ourselves, that reaching out and helping other people, um, if we can, is it actually can make such a big difference in our own mental health. And what a time to be reaching out to help other oh, people. Absolutely. Like there are a lot exactly. of people in need right now. No, I, I totally agree. And, and as I mentioned to you before we started, you know, I've, I've taken on a little extra role of, of coaching a little junior uh, swim squad. And oh, fun. Again, yeah, and it is fun. Exactly. And I, I remember when I, when I first decided to take it on, I'll be honest, it was like, okay, I, I need this financially, so I'm going to take it on. Um, but it's become so much more than that because I can go there being a little down with the day's work or just not feeling that productive because there isn't that much work on. And then I come home every night and my husband Justin's like, wow, you're in a good mood. And I'm like, yeah, I am because these young um, children that I'm coaching just give so much back to me in return. Um, so it's actually been the most wonderful thing. And you're right, you know, I think in it's all about coping mechanisms and like you said, if you can reach out and help someone else, um, the mm-hmm. turnaround that it has on yourself personally is huge. Mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Now, Canada's been pretty good with the whole uh, COVID situation, you know, fairly similar to Australia, although we're starting to go backwards a little bit right now. Um, but is it looking likely that there will be any sort of racing going ahead um, for the remainder of the year, or is it looking likely that, you know, there'll be no racing till 2021? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, what has been happening so far is there have been some cycling time trials that have been going on. Um, we, I'm, we're, uh, I'm actually considering doing um, uh our national time trial championships Championships, this year. Um, but not sure if that's going to go ahead. Um, the, there is rumor that there is a triathlon, a small triathlon that's going to be happening in, uh, in Alberta. I think that I've heard of, you know, really it's, everything is up in the air. Um, I still don't see how it's really going to happen. Um, 
nothing. Of course, no big races. I'm I'm still hoping there's some gravel races, uh, some local ones here on the calendar still for September. So I have my fingers crossed for that. Um, but, you know, in terms of right now crossing the border um, mm-hmm. for anything happening in the U.S., I don't I don't know if any of that is going to go through right now. And at the moment with the border, uh, Canadian-American border, if you do cross over into America, uh, coming back, it's automatic um, quarantine. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So you can't, you there's no driving or walking across the border. You can fly across the border. And ah, when you come okay. back, you are 14, 14 days quarantine. And in a hotel or is it is that a home quarantine? So, or is it, you actually get uh, escorted into a hotel? Uh, no, it's at home. home. Yeah. Okay. okay. It's at home, and I and I have heard that they are doing checks on checks. on people. Yeah. 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 We have we 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 tried that here in Australia, but it didn't work. <laughs> so now, oh. now now it's now it's forced quarantine in a hotel where you where you oh, no. where you've got security and you can't leave. Yeah. They they tried the um the home quarantine, but yet too many people broke the rules, which is oh I mean I laugh about it, but it's just so disappointing that. Human yeah. beings just aren't taking it seriously. It just, ah, oh, it. Yeah. Sometimes I just think I, I put the news on every morning, and some, and I think that's one of the worst things that you can do. Going back to you know yeah. putting yourself in the wrong state because often I'll finish watching the news and I'll be so depressed. And Justin's like, "Why do you continue watching it? Stop!" So yeah. you know you got a point there, but um, yeah, yeah. Look, it's, I, I think I'm... it's. Sorry, what was that? Oh, I was just going to say, I'm so happy that right now in Canada, our CBC News, no longer the, the like top headlines are about COVID. Oh, you're so lucky. Thing. You know, I would just like open the 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 news webpage and it was just like COVID, COVID, COVID. Yeah, and yeah. Number, numbers of cases and numbers of deaths <sighs> this day. And I was just like, you know what, I, I don't. Uh, I don't need this every single no. day. Like I know no, what's happening. Don't. I know what we yeah. need to do. I know that that you know I can catch up once a week or something, but yeah, I that's just couldn't do it exactly. And I, I I think that's the problem that a lot of athletes or a lot of people, sorry, but obviously when I'm talking to athletes, it seems to be the issue is that there's just it's almost too much information and too much in your face. And and I think it's just like you said, once a week just to catch up and then. That's it. And uh, since I've been doing that, it's been so much better for me um, personally. Yeah. Um, just going to the pool. I, for example, I went to squad this morning and I turned the news on t- this morning. I shouldn't have. And I turned up to the squad in completely the wrong attitude. Oh, no. But the great thing is I, I swim with so many amazing athletes that, you know, after the warm-up, they'd all forgotten and I, I came home feeling great. So, that's yeah. why, you know, obviously sticking to routine um, and making sure you get out there for, for training and for exercise, So it's just that's another thing I think so important for an athlete's mental state is um, it, it definitely helps me every day. If I, di- if I didn't, and, you know, obviously I don't compete anymore, but if I didn't have my training, I think I'd be in a, in a far darker place, that's for sure. Oh, absolutely. I mean, we are so lucky as athletes who – you know, for those of us who have been able to get outside and still train or train inside, it, it we're so lucky to have that outlet, um, that physical outlet to deal with some of the emotional stuff that's going on. Yeah, I totally agree. Now, just before I let you go, obviously, let's pretend we live in, in a perfect world and 2021 is going to be back to, uh, I don't like using the word normal because, you know, what is normal anymore? Um, I so know. it's, yeah, it, it's a, I'm, I'm going to stop using normal because um, yeah, normal is continually on the change. Um, yeah. But let's say we the get to 20, normal. Yeah, the new normal. Um, yeah. 2021, obviously the plan is to to race, um, obviously uh, go, coming to Germany in July and then Kona mm-hmm. World Championships in 2021. Are there any other goals or aspirations to do any any other races? I know... You know, you're one of those athletes that actually does like to throw in a couple of different things. As you said, you do your gravel, your gravel riding and racing. Um, mm-hmm. You've done in the past. I know you did that really cool event that I watched, um, the Red Bull. Oh, Red Bull four hundred. Re- yes, Red Bull four hundred. Thank you. Where you ran up that yeah. crazy ski slope. <laughs> but that's, I mean, they're the sort of events I love. If I was ever to come out of retirement, that would be an event I would do. It looked amazing. 
So are there any oh, plans? Oh yeah, you would crush it at that. Yeah. You've got the those like powerful quads, and, and <laughs> man, you would absolutely crush it. Oh, you, you need the quads and the hamstrings and the glutes for that one. For okay, sure. oh well, that, that that I definitely have. There's yeah, no doubt yeah. about that. Um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, any any aspirations to do any sorts of sort of events that are a little little off the beaten path? Well, I've had it in my head for the past couple of years that I really want to hit some of these um, major gravel races. Yeah. Um, I was on a podcast with one of the organizers for um, the Dirty Kanza, now known as DK. And, you know, that's been a big one on my bucket list for a long time. It's just, it's challenging with those because they are usually around the same time. Same time. We're all sort of in the peak Ironman stuff and... Um, or the iron distance racing and, um, and the races are, you know, longer, as long, if not longer than, um, iron distance racing. And so it's not something that you can just throw in there and, you know, do in the middle of a training block. Um, so yeah, I, the, those are really on my, on my bucket list that I really want to try fitting in. Um, I also, I have these, um, dreams of doing at least one of the extreme try series. Uh Um, I just think that would really suit me and it, it just look, I mean, they're in, in really incredibly, incredible places. places. So I think, yeah. yeah, And are you talking about races like Norseman or? Like Norseman. Yeah. 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 I, I I have a, a very good friend here who's also a professional athlete, Meredith Hill, who, uh, did Norseman one year and she said bucket list event amazing you'll never see scenery like it um will she ever do it again probably not because I think it and that's the whole idea isn't it it, it is that extreme but she said it yeah. was an experience that she will never ever get again yeah yep absolutely so I mean that's what I'm looking for right is yep. I'm looking I like the, these are the things that are on my bucket list are these really unique races and experiences um that are will are the the most mentally and physically challenging that yes. I can find that's really where I like to be I like to challenge myself a lot of times I don't really care where I show up and the results like for me it is about going out and pushing myself as hard as I can and having an incredible experiences in beautiful places yeah I totally agree and, and I think uh, the more ex- the more we can do that, the m- more we learn about ourselves and just pushing boundaries. Um, so I think it really helps shape shape our character as well. Mm-hmm. Yep, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Well, listen, Rachel, it has been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Um, you're an absolute champ. You you always have been oh. in my eyes, but you know <laughs> I, I, I've been looking forward to this podcast for quite some time just because you know you're just such an interesting um, person. Um, apart from being an absolutely, be- as I said, a beautiful soul, you're, you're, you're fascinating and um, so intelligent and so articulate. No, I could go on, but yeah, you really are. And it's been, um, <laughs> oh, but the mo- I'm blushing, the mo- I'm blushing. Oh, good. <laughs> and, you know, I, I can tell you now that um, nothing will make me happier than um, sitting next year in the beer garden in the uh, Challenge Roth race area um and enjoying a, a schooner of beer with you post-race <laughs> oh, amazing that sounds incredible <laughs> I, so, um, i'm dreaming of that already oh it'll be great it'll be great well listen yeah. um you take care um and thank you so much for your time today um oh absolutely belinda it's always wonderful to chat with you you're you're just a joy and such wonderful energy it's uh, yeah it's great to religion. be around See, I can finish this podcast. I'm going to be in a great mood for the rest of the day now. I'm happy. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Rachel. I'll speak to you soon. Okay, take care, Belinda. Bye. Bye.
Thanks for listening to Coffee Calls with Belinda. I really hope you enjoyed listening. If you'd like to continue listening and stay updated on our latest podcasts, then please subscribe. It would also be great if you could rate our podcast and leave us a review. If you have any specific questions you'd like me to ask the athletes, then please send through to the following email address, podcast at challenge slash family.com. The making of these podcasts would not be possible without the wonderful help of our great partners, Powerbar, Otso, Zone 3, Lubos Billick at LB Training, Sport No Limit Group and Velosop. But for now, thanks so much for listening and I'll be back soon for another coffee.